to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford and Medford Community Media websites an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. The meeting can be viewed through Medford Community Media on Comcast Channel 15 and Verizon Channel 45 at 6 p.m. Since the meeting will be held remotely, participants can log or call in by using the following link of call-in number. One of the numbers one nine two nine two zero five six zero nine nine. Please enter meeting ID nine one seven eight one five five seven three four seven when prompted. Additionally, questions or comments can be submitted submitted during the meeting by emailing medfordsc at medford.k12.ma.us. Those submitting must include the following information: your first and last name, your Medford Street address, with your question or comment. The agenda will be as follows. 2020-2021 evaluation of Superintendent Maurice Edward Vincent. That is our first agenda item. If, it, if we may take the roll, please. Member Graham. Here. Member Kratz. Here. Member McLaughlin here. Member Mastone. Present. Member Rousseau. Present. Member Van de Clue. Present. Marilongo Kern. Present, seven present, zero absent. Dr. Edward Vincent, I'll okay. turn it over to you. So good evening, everyone. I am uh, pleased to have presented my goals um, and my self-assessment form to you at our last meeting. And essentially I had um, one key district goal, um, which talked about safety, equity, and consistency, all of the things that we did um, to have a success successful launch to the school year, from creating schedules to um, eventually testing and making sure that what we did was done in an equitable way um, to meet the needs of our students that were both um, hybrid and our students that were fully remote. Um, followed by one student, um, key student learning goal, um, which was a focus on mathematics and elementary mathematics. And I talked about um, the shifts and changes that will be coming down the pike for us this coming school year moving forward, but what we have done thus far. And I provided one professional practice goal, which was the new superintendent, new superintendent induction program I completed the third year um, of the formal training of the NISA program, in addition to being part of an affinity group um, through NISA on monthly equity sessions. And um, that final outcome or final product that was produced um, was the district strategic plan, which was presented, um, the draft plan, but it was presented by, to the committee a few weeks ago um, and so those were the three goals that I presented to the committee and the committee was going to um, share their responses. Thank you. Mayor. Member Vanderkloot. So looking at the, um, I, I don't know whether uh, 
Mr. Rousseau, who tabulated our, the responses, wants to say anything at this point. But looking, looking it over, I see that my colleagues hold you in the same high esteem that I do. Um, because the, um, as I look over, over the different scores, all of which are, you know, often uh, 3.5 or above, um, with four being the highest, you can see that's truly a remarkable uh, standard. And um, so that I think that we all value so much the, um, what you set out this year, um, your uh, achievement in getting kids back to school, holding the safety of our students to the highest level. Um, and um, I think you should be really proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Member Van de Kloot. Member Roussel, and then Member Kraft. Thank you. Um, yes, I, um, I did the, the compilation this year, and um, I will say uh, one of the things I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd, so um, I'm very, very interested in things like uh, big discrepancies in how individuals might grade the superintendent on the 42 things that we grade you on. Um, and uh, certainly some of us are harder, gra harder graders than others, um, but I was happy to see no gigantic, you know, like nobody said you were a one and then other people were saying you were a four. Like there were none of these giant gaps, which I think is really, um, well, I think is a great, I think it's a great thing because when there's a giant gap, I think that there might be questions about, you know, the, the, the review process itself, which is uh, still fairly new. And I think has, uh, I, I think we're still kicking the tires. I hope that, that um, the state, the DESE, does some more fine tuning instead of waiting for 25 years like they did the last time before making an update. But, um, the, you know, the, one of the things about the current review process that I still find very um, challenging is that when you read the review process that they lay out, it's all about your goals. And that's great. That makes so much sense. And then we get 42 things to grade you on, which seem to have nothing to do with the goals. Um, so <laughs> to me, it's still a very, very confusing, it's a very cute dog. Um, um, but it's a very confusing process, even, even after they've made a huge improvement. But I was very happy to see that there were not giant discrepancies in um, any of the grading uh, by the individual members, which I know um, you don't see all that, but I just wanted to say that. And um, I appreciate all the members for sending me your scores and your comments. I integrated the comments as best I could. Some of them didn't make it in because they might have been duplicates and I wanted to make it sound like one voice um, because that's the review is just one voice. It's all of us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, member. So member Kratz. Kathy. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm just having some trouble locating the, the complete document. When I click on the link I got from Susie, it keeps on bringing me into just my evaluation. Um, I can't see everybody else's. Like the, I could, before we began the process, I could see the prior. So it came today, that, Kathy? It came yeah. today around 3.15? Yeah, and I, like I'm in the Google Sheets shared drive and I open it up at 6.08 and it's just my... It's just my evaluation. Hmm. Okay. I know. Uh, yes. Member Rousseau. Thank you. I do see that you're in that evaluation, Kathy. Uh, yeah. Member Kratz, Member Kratz, sorry. That, that's not yours. That says SC it's folder copy 2020-2021. Okay. Um, 
it doesn't have all of the individual scores because we're not supposed to share all of our individual scores. If this is the combined Ooh. one. Okay. Is, okay. Yeah. This is, this is the averaging. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause I think the, the last time we did it, there was like a tab for all the individual scores. Cause that's, that's what I saw before, but that that's fine. It, I think it's just a little bit different or maybe I'm just not remember, even though it was just a few months ago, but yes, no, I mean, um, I'm happy to see that the scores are, um, you know, very consistent with what I did for my evaluation. So I think we're all on the same page with um, um, the remarkable job that the superintendent has done this school year during the pandemic, um, you know, transitioning from fully remote over to hybrid, then in person, then the return to school, um, the staggered start, and just making sure all the classrooms were ready and safe for all the students and the teachers. Um, you know, I think, you know, with all the different bulletins that Lisa Evangelista sends out, you know, there was just communications, pictures with you at every school where you were, you know, helping out here, you know, giving out meals, computers, you know, not computers, but um, the Google Chromebooks. And, you know, you were there when all the students returned, you know, you made sure you went to every classroom, um, you know, at all the different events, you know, I'm just grateful for your leadership. And, you know, what a great successful school year that we had despite the pandemic. Um, and I look forward to another successful year of learning. Thank you. Thank you. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, yes, to the chair for um, member uh, Kretz on the last occasion, um, I had tabulated the numbers and I did do different um, sheets for each of the, of the members, which I think is helpful. And maybe, you know, later um, we can, uh, see the evaluations in that form as well. Um, again, through the chair for member Russo, because I do think it's helpful to sort of see each other's feedback as well. And um, I know that this is a remote meeting, so it's a little bit different, but um, just wanted to sort of put that out there as well. But regarding Dr. Uh, and I also want to thank um, my colleagues for the process for helping to create this process, to create this form. It's made it so much more streamlined. I know when I was putting the data together, it was really interesting to look at the data and also to see the tabulation and have that form already created. I think that could be marketed, frankly, um, member Russo to the chair. I think you could uh, get that to other school committees and they'd be really valuing it. It's a really helpful form, so thank you. Um, and then to the superintendent, I also just wanted to reiterate um, the, the leader that you've been throughout this process and how much uh, I value you and how lucky I think our district is to have you. And one of the things that I thought was really notable about our experience this past year with you is the way that you remain steadfast in your morals and your values. And I think that's what differentiates um, individuals. I think that's what differentiates uh, politicians and leaders and what have you is, you know, who stays with their morals and their values. And you do that even when the going's tough. And I think that that's a sign of a true leader. And I thank you for that. And I want to, you know, tell you, I know that, and I recognize that that has not always been easy. Um, and then also I wanted to say, and just share with the community, you know, last week we were at the middle school 
graduation ceremony. And we have the privilege of being out on, in this instance, out on the field. Um, and we're facing the audience, but the students are facing us. Um, so they're back to the audience, but we have the opportunity to look at the students and watch the students during the ceremony, which is really quite remarkable as well. And I was so proud um, when you were speaking to the students because I could see so many of the students sitting up in their seat and listening to you and really watching you. And I think that they've been doing that for some time and to have a leader such as yourself, a woman, um, a woman of color in this role and have our students to be able to see you and look up to you in that role, I think is quite remarkable. So I think we're very fortunate and I wanna say thank you. Thank you. And I would be remiss if I didn't say um, in this evaluation that I share this evaluation with my team. If we think about the strategic plan, um, that C for collaboration, I, I strongly, strongly believe in the power of the team and collaboration and that the co collective is greater than the individual. And so although you see me, I have a phenomenal team that is supporting me and I just wanna thank them so much for um, supporting me and helping me to be able to execute this vision for the Medford Public Schools. Thank, thank you. you. Um, Member Graham. Thank you. Um, to that point, Dr. Edward Benson, I just want to also point out that as a leader, you acquire a staff and then you have to sort of assess the staff as they are and think about how to move forward um, as the organization shifts and evolves. And I think one of the things that you've done remarkably well is bring the right people onto the bus with you. So I I've been so impressed with the work that you've done um, as you've hired new folks um, into the district to really be a complement to the team and the strengths that already exist um, and really to find those folks who are as invested in moving Medford forward as you are. So um, that decision-making is often one of the most complex things you do as a leader and um, one of the most impactful, but um, I think you are doing an exceptional job as you decide and recommend to us who those folks are and um, make hiring decisions um, really all throughout the district. So I wanna say thank you for that. And certainly, you know, as you review somebody, it's very, it's sort of counterintuitive to reflect the work of others into somebody's review, but that is often something that, you know, you look at leaders as, as the sort of sum of the parts. And, um, you know, when I think about the strategic plan and even just the dramatic shift in the strategic plan in one short year. It's really been very remarkable to watch you all work. So thank you. Thank you. Um, Member Mastone, you, you echo the sentiments I'm sure of everybody else. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. Um, and I talked to Edward Vincent. I do want to say what I appreciate most is that you always see the best in everyone and you tap into that. And that I think is why you have such a strong team and it's been a pleasure seeing you um, just really go for it here at Method. So thank you. And, and just from the chair, I too, I, I want to echo the sentiments of my colleagues. I, I think you've done a, a really great job. Um, I think the communication from three years ago to today is just 
really out of this world to have to be able to hear from your superintendent even as a mom once a week and then to see it trickle down to your assistant superintendents who we're, who we're hearing from it means a lot as a parent and it I know it goes a long way with the staff, the teachers, and all that, you know, work in the schools. So that's been a real highlight for me. Your strategic plan um, was extremely thorough, and I can't wait to see you fulfill it, which I know you will do. Um, I know you're working on curriculum and a number of other things, and um, just great job. Just great, great job. Thank you. Thank you. Motion to approve the evaluation. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. Never mind. Member Russo. Uh, I actually was going to do that, so Member McLaughlin can get to it. <laughs> Motion to approve by Member McLaughlin, seconded by Member Russo, to um, accept the evaluation. Roll call, please. Member Graham. Yes. Member Kratz. Yes. Member McLaughlin, yes. Member Mastone? Yes. Member Rousseau? Yes. Member Vandekloot? Yes. Mayor Longo Karn? Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. Um, the evaluation is approved. Thank you. No. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> next up, proposed fiscal year 2022 Metro Public Schools operating budget. Assistant Superintendent of Finance and Operation. David Murphy, and this is the district administration will ask the Medford School Committee to approve the proposed operating budget consistent with the mayor's recommendation to the Medford School Committee conveyed on June 1st, 2021, and the superintendent's recommendations posted publicly on June 18th, 2021 for a fiscal year 22 operating budget for the Medford Public Schools of $67,461,003 contingent upon the eventual appropriation by the Medford City Council. The district administration will ask the Method School Committee to endorse a series of strategic investments made possible through the use of SR2 and SR3 funding aimed at mitigating the impacts of school year 2021-2022 of the instructional disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic during school year 2019-2020 and school year 2020-2021. Dr. Um, Mr. David Murphy. Thank you, Mayor. Uh Members of the school committee, this is um, one final uh, budget deck uh, prior to uh, the fiscal year uh, 2022. I'm gonna share my screen now. I'm gonna move um, relatively quickly through this um, presentation um, as it's information that has, uh, we have discussed at length in a series of public meetings uh, since late April. Um, the ESSER funding uh, priorities are also information that we've shared with you in various parts, um, but we're asking you to endorse the use of these funds. Um, that will be followed by our submission to DESE of the grant application um, and the distribution of the ESSER II funding. Um, if this were to stretch into ESSER III, um, we would consider your endorsement uh, to apply to ESSER III, but based on the total numbers that we're looking at, um, in all likelihood, this will be specific to ESSER II. Um, linked in the presentation uh, that you were provided um, are the, 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 the DESI descriptions of restrictions on SR2 and SR3. They are largely uh, similar. I don't believe that they are, that those distinctions uh, are relevant for tonight's discussion, both because of the nature of the priorities transcending the SR2 and SR3 funding. And as I said, 
we don't anticipate uh, needing to tap into ESSER three funding um, based on the, the numbers that we're looking at. So first, with respect to the operating budget, um, you've seen this uh, chart several times over the last uh, couple of months. Each time uh, we've presented, we've uh, tried to clarify where in the process we are. As you can see, we are at the end of the process tonight, asking you to adopt an operating budget uh, contingent upon the city council's appropriation. I will just speak very briefly now about with regard to this process, because I know it's something that we've discussed at length many times at this forum, um, but it is something that has been discussed publicly uh, very recently. Um, the distinction between this budget process and the budget processes that, as it's been related to me, you have engaged in in the past, um, primarily boils down to the fact that you as the governing body of the school system uh, directed us and then engaged with us in a process to authentically assess the needs and priorities of the district. That process or that phase of this process culminated on June 1st when we recommended to you to make a budget request of approximately $68.2 million. As we told you throughout that process and as we said publicly throughout that process, the school administration understands its responsibility to prepare for all eventual contingencies with respect to the actual appropriation and understanding that the municipal government must balance the needs of the city in its entirety, we were prepared to operate the district with less funding than was originally requested on June 1st. We are grateful that that gap was a relatively narrow one of $760,000. And on June 14th, we advised you of the modifications that we would recommend are made to the budget in order to account both for that $760,000 Delta and other amendments or changes that we felt were in the best interest of the district and had been developed between June 1st and June 14th based on the continuous scrubbing and scrutiny that a 67 uh, or $68 million uh, budget of taxpayer dollars uh, must uh, go through during this at this point of the process and throughout the fiscal year. So uh, what you're voting on tonight is essentially giving the district uh, authority to, to implement the budget as it's been presented to you, totaling $67.4 million. Of course, there will be fluidity within that $67.4 million, and we've, we've spoken about that on a, a number of occasions. And uh, what taking this vote does, it essentially uh, means that once the city council appropriates the funding, provided they appropriate the amount recommended by the mayor, um, you won't have to keen mean again to uh, to adopt that budget because that that will uh, take effect based on your vote tonight. So that's where we are with regard to the process. I will say, as I did my communication to you, should the city council exercise its right to reduce the school department's budget, we would need to reconvene and present to you um, a, a new plan essentially. So the number you're looking at is $67,461,003. Um, that's the operating budget. Um, again, there will be fluidity. There will be grants that will come in that will offset uh, some of that. Um, that is expected, but uh, this also builds in the necessary uh, contingencies for unexpected costs. That's particularly true in the area of special education, as we discussed at that committee of the whole and subsequent uh, uh, to that. And also um, this does provide um, capacity to address expiring uh, collective bargaining agreements as well. And as, as you know, we have nine of them. Mayor, I'm gonna pause here to see if there are any questions specific to the operating budget before we go into the ESSER. 
budget unless uh, you or the committee would like me to continue uh, and move through the proposals with respect to ESSER. I think you can continue unless anybody has questions. Okay, hearing none, uh, I'm gonna keep going with ESSER. Um, so our ESSER funding again, and for uh, the community's benefit, as I know we've discussed this before, but just wanna be clear, um, there are essentially two very significant uh, uh, funding sources derived from the federal legislation designed uh, to ease the burden on municipalities and school districts um, related to COVID-19 and the disruption that our students have faced over the course of the past two years. The ARPA funding, American Recovery Plan Act, uh, is funding that is uh, goes to, in our case, other places as well, but for our case, uh, to the municipality. Um, our operating budget includes approximately $3.7 million of ARPA funding. That's money that does not need to go to the schools, but has been recommended by the mayor to the city council to help uh, offset uh, the challenges within our budget and the and some of the difficulties uh, from a financial perspective that the pandemic has wrought. Uh, the ESSER funding is funding that is airmarked specific to school districts. So uh, the rationale is that uh, school districts have taken on disproportionate burdens and challenges as a result of the pandemic and and those instructional disruptions. And so ESSER funding is specific to the to the school system. And what we're presenting now, and often you'll hear us talk about ESSER one, two, and three. ESSER one, the funding that was available to us in FY21. ESSER two and ESSER three, totaling for Medford's purposes, $7.6 million and extending um, through F FY25. So it's $7.6 million, but uh, as we'll discuss momentarily, um, that's uh, the intention of the legislation is for that to be funded over the course of the next four fiscal years. These are our typical funding sources. You've seen this slide before, just pointing out the fact that this is a significant variable in our in our budget, um, not something that happens every year. We have to think of it as one-time funding, but as we've discussed many times, we also know that this there are some there's an urgency to providing the remedial support that our students need, um, and that is those are the things that we have to balance as we build this budget. Um, this slide just details the ESSER one funding and other um, external sources that have come in. As you can see, a significant uh, portion of this, uh, we we were the beneficiary of a significant amount of external funding. And as you can see here, a significant portion of that went toward our instructional technology, um, which is why, um, as we discussed last night with the city council, um, there's more of a focus on uh, some of our urgent personnel needs because a lot of our infrastructure and the things that we would normally um, want to invest one-time funds in, um, we've put a lot of that money toward things like HVAC improvements, infrastructure improvements, and instructional technology to the tune of $2.3 million. This is a bunch of stuff that you're welcome to read. It's about ESSER 2 and ESSER 3 and the priorities as we um, look toward the upcoming fiscal years. And this uh, gets into what we're saying now would be our general uh, plan with respect to utilizing this funding. And the rationale here, I'm happy to go into greater detail um, as, I, as we did last night with the city council, but the thinking here is that we know right now students are, ha are, having a, are experiencing a pronounced impact of this disruption that's occurred over the past two years. We also know that in the second fiscal year, they will both be experiencing the impact caused by the disruption and we will, because of the investments that um, we will make through the operating budget and having um, more tools at our disposal with respect to district level data and assessments, um, we'll have a better sense as to where we can target that funding. And so 
while uh, ESSER three at least is uh, funding that is available to us for the next four fiscal years, we're thinking along the lines of wanting to concentrate that uh, the expenditure of those funds in the first two fiscal years because we want to mitigate that impact as rapidly as possible in as sustainable a manner as possible. I do just want to pause here for one second to say, I think that um, our the 35% number in FY22, constituting about $2.1 million, um, I think there's a, a chance, maybe or even a significant chance, that that will prove to be somewhat inflated. And I'm, I'm saying that because I would rather you endorse the use of the $2.1 million. And when we report back halfway through the fiscal year or at the end of the fiscal year, we're able to say that um, because of some shifts, because of capacity in the operating budget, because we were able to fine tune some things, we're only gonna spend 1.6 or $1.7 million. That's good in this case, because unlike operating funds, the ESSER funding is going to roll over and we're gonna have the, it will just expand our capacity in FY23. Why is it better to spend it in FY23? as opposed to FY22, because in FY23 and FY24, uh, we're gonna have uh, better data and more reliable data to say, this is what our students need, this is where they need it, this is how they need it, so on and so forth. So um, gen this should be uh, very much seen as sort of a very tentative plan of 35, 35, 20, 10, very easily could turn into 25, 35, 30, uh, or something along those lines. I, I think that just in terms of every time you're budgeting, you can either do it, you know, uh, in a very conservative fashion or a not as conservative fashion. And I would say um, this is a very conservative fashion in terms of uh, wanting to leave ourselves uh, some runway space for the subsequent fiscal years. Uh, so these are the total numbers. I did add that third row there because the district recently received a summer programming grant um, in the amount of $106,000. Um, uh, with that funding, we're planning literacy and math acceleration academies um, that will take place in late August. Um, students will be invited to participate uh, in that programming, and it's something that we're in the process of hiring. Um, we've discussed this briefly here before. Um, the rate of pay for staff in these acceleration academies by the uh, direction of DESE will be um, significant uh, as compared to normal uh, summer pay. We've been uh, speaking with our collective bargaining partners and the teachers union about that um, and wanting to make sure that we're um, both uh, keeping a focus on equity and also not disincentivizing uh, pr uh, participation in some of the other programs that don't have this uh, desing, uh, backing and directive behind it. So uh, with regard to the categories broken down, um, our strategic staffing investments, our professional development training, um, ensuring that we have an effective expanded school day program to provide that year-long uh, remedial support that we know our students will need going into the 21-22 school year. Summer program programming, which I just spoke to uh, a moment ago, that frankly is one of the numbers that we have 106,000 um, coming from the DESE grant. So it's about a $200,000 hit to, uh, to uh, ESSER as we're looking at it right now. I think that's gonna turn out to be a little high. And I think there's a good chance that the total summer budget will end up being uh, significantly lower than um, $314,000. But we just wanna make sure that um, you know, we're, we're, we're budgeting in a conservative fashion. Supplies and infrastructure, um, we have a stockpile of um, pandemic related infrastructure uh, that I'm frankly confident is gonna last us to the next pandemic. And I hope that's a very, very long way away, but just for purposes of making sure that our reserves are where they need to be, um, that's, that's where that is. 
And then there are some miscellaneous pieces that we just discussed as part of the budget process. I'm gonna walk through these categories again. I'm, I'm moving quickly uh, because we've discussed this several times publicly. I'm more than happy to, to stop. I'm more than happy to go into detail. I don't want anyone to think that we are rushing through um, a $2 million expenditure. So with regard to uh, strategic staffing, um, you've, you heard our presentation uh, regarding the re-engagement specialists. You know that the reading intervention specialist, one per elementary school, was a key budgetary priority. That, along with the instructional coaches that we want to scale up to, were the biggest pieces of uh, reconciling the $760,000 uh, delta that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Behavior specialists, adjustment counselors. Um, the there is an ESSA requirement. It's a it's a very modest requirement, frankly, of a set amount that must be spent on uh, mental health uh, support and coaching for students. Um, we are exceeding that by to a a very significant uh, uh, magnitude, and we're doing it because we're looking to see how do we make sure that the social emotional supports that students need as the foundation of their educational experience are there so that they can make the type of academic progress that the conditions over the course of the past two years have stymied to some degree. With regard to professional development training, this is a, uh, there's one $64,000 change from the uh, information you received yesterday related to the Hill Literacy Professional Development Program that we're very excited about uh, for our staff in kindergarten to second grade. Um, these other uh, pieces are, are professional development and training programs, again, with a heavy fo focus on SEL that we discussed as part of our priority. It would be my hope that you would uh, see the consistency between the ESSER-based priorities that we're discussing tonight and the budgetary and strategic priorities that we discussed over the course of the, of the budget cycle. With regard to the expanded school day program, uh, many of us believe very uh, strongly from a philosophical perspective in making sure that we have expanded school day and we look at the variables that we have flexibility over and how do we create a well-rounded uh, wraparound environment um, for our students. Um, there is a urgency to that coming into the 21-22 school year that I think is um, uh, far exceeds the urgency of any uh, school year any of us have ever worked in. We can't think of school uh, in the normal traditional fashion because our students are coming in uh, with experiences that are not by any um, by any stretch of the imagination, normal or, or traditional. And we need to maintain the flexibility to meet students where they are and provide the individualized learning experiences that they need. Um, we are going to spend a good portion of our summer building out our expanded school day program. Does that gonna mean one uh, two hour day at each elementary school or two one hour days at each elementary school? What does it mean for after school program? How do we incorporate enrichment programming and physical activity along with the literacy and math supports that we know students are gonna need? These are uh, all questions that the ESSER budget is going to position us along with the time uh, during the summer months um, to, to answer and that we'll be prepared uh, to, to support our students with coming into the new school year. COVID-related infrastructure, again, um, it, we have a lot, we're gonna buy more uh, just so that um, we can maintain some of the, we're going to be um, advising the district of some modifications to our public health protocols within the next several days Consistent with, consistent with changing DESE mandates. There are going to be some pieces like additional sanitation, like sign-in, sign-out sheets. Um, most likely uh, uh, some of the, the, the tape in the hallways to keep students and staff from um, uh, bottlenecking too much. These are things that we're gonna put in place both because the pandemic is still technically happening and because we think they're good practices. Uh, and in order to do that, we are gonna use some of, some of that ESSER funding. 
summer programming. I thought we already did this. Did we? We're going to do a bunch of the summer program. I think we've already touched upon, but um, we're looking at you know, typically our summer program consists of extended school year programming. Uh, maybe because I just talked about this so much today that I thought we had already presented on this, so I apologize for that. Uh, our, our summer programming typically consisting of ESY extended school year summer fun and credit recovery programs. Um, this year, that is going to be, and as well as EL enrichment program, uh, this year that's going to be coupled with uh, Acceleration Academies, Camp Mustang, a program uh, focused for three days at elementary, two days at middle school, one day at high school on social and emotional uh, supports, as well as uh, instru uh, uh, instrumental uh, band camp uh, being put together to make sure that students who have had some gaps in their music instruction because of uh, how the past uh, year and a half have gone uh, we'll have an opportunity for a two-week intensive program there. Um, we're trying to do this in a coordinated way, make sure that we have appropriate levels of health services support, custodial support, and food services support. Um, by early July, the general rule will be if you're involved in a Metro Public Schools program, there'll be a, nutrition, a nutritional focused uh, snack at 10 a.m. and a lunch to go for all students participating in summer programs or uh, lunch to stay if your program is continuing into the afternoon. Um, and we're, tr we're trying to do that in a very coordinated fashion throughout the various weeks in which we have summer programming uh, coming in uh, in summer 2021. And then some miscellaneous programs in terms of uh, making sure that um, some of the other pieces that um, in other situations might have been included in the operating budget uh, were able to include in the ESSER budget with the understanding that it's certainly our hope that these pieces, again, we're only talking about $60,000 here, um, but this is an example of an ESSER funding priority that um, we're funding for ESSER now with the, the expectation that in time it'll be incorporated into the op operating budget and uh, we'll make it sustainable in order to make sure that that is always the case. So the total uh, ESSER, again, uh, ESSER two or ESSER three, but um, my expectation would be because I think this number is gonna turn out to be a little high. I think this will stay within the confines of ESSER two Theoretically, as we go through, if we get additional guidance that narrows the uh, restrict, restrictions on use for uh, SR2, um, theoretically, we could we could tap into SR3, but I'm, I'm at this point pretty comfortable that this will stay within the SR2, uh, the SR2 budget and the total amount that we'd ask for your endorsement of is $2.1 million and $68,000, dollars $2,168,000. So thank you. Uh, for your patience throughout this presentation and several uh, that preceded it. And we're happy to take your questions. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. It's very helpful. Um, I'm particularly interested in the summer programming, especially as, you know, I have been talking to a lot of families regarding ESY, ESY for folks who are watching that might not know, um, the extended school year program is often affiliated with IEPs, uh, students uh, on IEPs or other programming, summer fun, um, the EL enrichment, the Camp Mustang, the SEL supports, I'd like to hear more about that. And then the um, the health services, oh no, you're saying health services and what have you will be involved in early July. I'm really curious um, for both the superintendent and Mr. Murphy, as we're thinking about how we are including all students in these um, opportunities, both the summer programming and the um, enrichment programming after school um, for next year and, and others. And I know that you said there's 25K 
for EL and 25K for Unified Sports to sort of be thinking of um, the inclusion opportunities. But out of 2 million, um, I want to be thinking about or I want to be asking about how are, how are folks being trained to ensure that um, our more vulnerable populations are actively participating in these programs. For example, Summer Fund just started receiving training, I think it was about three years ago, um, from the special education department. The Summer Fund um, counseling and uh, staff were receiving training from the uh, expertise of folks in the special education department to ensure inclusive practice and best practice around both the American with Disabilities Act and also obviously, you know, IEP supports, what have you. So as we're thinking about these expanded school days, these, you know, um, wraparound environments, the enrichment programs, um, I'm wondering how are we thinking about uh, all of those programs being accessible to our students that are most vulnerable from our students who are currently enrolled in access programs to students, you know, uh, with autism, to English learners, to, you know, all of the above, sort of um, what is the strategic and proactive plan for making sure that we are truly being an inclusive school district, as I know that equity is one of our big um, ACEs um, in that we're looking at how our staff is receiving appropriate professional de development and training to make sure that these programs are all inclusive so that all families and all students are able to access and be enrolled. Well, the, the, the first thing I would just say is that I, I don't think um, some of that those miscellaneous funding priorities uh, should we? I hope no one infers from that that the bulk of the funding is not um, being geared toward both students with disabilities or English learners or or, or any uh, students of any other um, uh, category or group because um, the all of this funding is about making sure that uh, students uh, in some of those uh, more vulnerable uh, constituencies are, are are being provided with as comprehensive a set of supports as possible. So I think the the first thing to your point with regard to um, making sure that we're being a fully inclusive district is that um, if it's if there isn't access to a program, then we shouldn't be it shouldn't be on the, the priority list. It shouldn't be something that's funding because we want to make sure that um, whether it's uh, during the school day and it's uh, the reading intervention supports that we're prioritizing, or whether it is after the school day all of this programming is meant to be for all students and it should be uh, accessible uh, to that point. So it's certainly not the case that there's some, a, a sort of $25,000 uh, learning environment that's specific to uh, students, um, the, to English learner students. And the idea is that hopefully all students are participating in, the, in those programs. And I think that it's something we have to be very vigilant about in making sure that as this programming is implemented, um, it, it's not being Im implemented and benefiting some, some uh, subgroup. I think that um, I see Ms. Galusi's hands up, so I'm happy to defer if there's anything specific in the elementary world. But I think the, the, the sort of first point has to be that, that all of this is on a foundation of equity and not something that we're sort of putting in place and then hoping some uh, students with disabilities or English learners or whomever are able to participate. The idea is it's for everyone to begin with. Thank you. And if I may, just as a point of privilege, Mayor, just to respond before anyone else, um, if yes. I might. Yes, Member McLaughlin. Yes, thank you, and and I and I appreciate you saying that, Mr. Murphy. And you're always really um, thoughtful about 
that and I appreciate your response. And I guess my, my sort of response to that would be with effective training, right? Like, so there needs to be training to make sure that um, these programs are inclusive. It's one thing to say we're inclusive and everybody can come, but then when you have children who need supports and you show up and their supports aren't there or staff hasn't been trained, it's not really. So, you know, where is the sort of effective, you know, the planned training around how to make sure that these environments are inclusive. And so I, yeah, I think to just the after school program, there's a lot of times where, you know, uh, families are unfortunately, you know, asked to leave because there's not enough supervision for the child with a disability, or I think about, you know, the enrichment programs where the academic enrichment programs, some of these students might be, you know, uh, seventh grade students working on a second grade level. And, you know, there's enrichment opportunities for them too, but there has to be teachers and staff that are trained to be able to do that participating in these programs. So um, I, I'm, I'm wondering how we're, we're strategically thinking about that. I think that I'm glad to see that the hearts seem to be there now. Um, and now I want to make sure that the minds are there. So the hearts and minds in terms of, of thinking about this in a way that we're being thoughtfully inclusive. I, for just, me. I just appreciate someone acknowledging that I have a heart that doesn't happen always in this role. So that's, I'm going to take that as a, <laughs> a plus. Yeah, well, Miss, <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Miss Cozzi, I didn't want to cut you off there. No, no, I was just going to echo what you were saying, Mr. Murphy, and just add, you know, one or two points, which was because you did such a great job, but which was, of course, we're taking the same approach um, with Camp Mustang as we will with our other summer camps. And so it is in collaboration with Joan Bowen and the, and the training that she offers the summer fun. In addition, we were very mindful of the week that we picked to run this camp. Um, because we wanted to make sure that it was after the ESY programs and the EL programs were completed so that all students would be able to participate in this social emotional camp. Thank you. And may I, Mayor, just to follow up to that? Yes, Member McLaughlin. Can you explain to the community camp Mustang and the SEL component or you or uh, Mr. through the chair, either Ms. Galusi or Mr. Murphy, please? Sure. No problem. The, the, the Camp Mustang was born out of the need that we know some students are going to need um, a transitional period back to school. So for some of our students, they missed 15 months of school um, working remotely from home. And so we know that that transition back, just the transition back into a building is going to be a lot for students. So the whole point of Camp Mustang is a social emotional camp where students can get reacclimated to their surroundings and working alongside their peers. So it's going to be um, activities that are school-based and using all of the locations within the building so that we may be playing in the gymnasium to remind them of what that is like in that space. We'll be eating in the cafeteria. We'll be doing scavenger hunts throughout the building. We'll be doing team building, collaborative. Um, it will start at the elementary level with a morning meeting, which is how we start the day every day. So just to build in those routines and locations to just help ease their transition back to school. Thank you. And if I could also just ask how parents um, or how families engage in that process. Sure. I had sent an update to all um, current families last week. Mm -hmm. I mentioned I mentioned the summer offerings um, and I had said that more information about signing up will be coming out at the beginning of July. Member Kretz. 
Yeah, thank you. And thank you for the presentation, Mr. Murphy. And I just wanted to say I did watch um, most of the um, city council meeting last night until I fell asleep in the middle of the meeting. But, uh, you know, everybody did a great job. The questions were great. The answers were great. And um, so I'm just I'm getting to the email that you sent us this this afternoon with the um, color coded itemized budgetary the memo where you have everything shaded in light green or dark green, and then there's some light blue. So I just wanted to you know, ask if you could touch on that memo that you sent us. Um, and I noticed that there are some things here that are still you know, listed as discretionary or um, necessary. Some items are funded. Um, would you be able to just give an overview of that memo? Uh, and just if it's okay, Mayor, I'm just going to share my screen very quickly. Um, I think typically I don't spend a lot of time using the the, uh, the memo. It usually doesn't serve as a good visual, but in this case, it, it might be helpful. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in June of 2020, going into fiscal year 21, uh, the school committee uh, conveyed as part of its budget process an itemized list of funding uh, priorities. And earlier in this uh, budget cycle, you asked uh, the administration uh, to take that memo and identify, uh, excerpted from that memo, identify um, what has been funded or what will be funded as part of the proposed uh, FY21 budget, excuse me, FY22 budget. And so if you go through this memo, you can see this is the actual list excerpted and dark green indicates uh, something that um, is, it, it, whether it's through ESSER or through the operating uh, budget, um, we anticipate funding in FY22. Light green, like the Chromebooks and the, uh, laptops for teachers uh, are items that we were able to fund uh, through funding sources in FY21. And the light blue of which there's only a, a few items uh, indicates, and, I, and as I said in the memo, um, this is a pretty lengthy list and there's a few items that uh, they're either the price tag or the description are a little different than what we would probably articulate now. And so there, it, I, I, I can't, I, I probably wouldn't wanna submit this document under oath uh, frankly, but it's a pretty accurate summary of what was uh, funded or what was adjusted as we went through FY21 and prepared for FY22. So the light blue, for instance, is an example of um, where a modification was made where, um, I'm just seeing one from my office right in front of me here, where uh, there was a, a desire for two accounting specialists. Um, we hired one very high caliber accounting specialist and um, that's an, a, a modification that was made just to indicate that. And there's a few other instances. Um, the 340 uh, uh, access points we um, uh, funded, I, I think it was like 70, uh, but I could be wrong about that. A, a significant investment was made in FY21 and additional uh, access points, additional, additional access points are planned in FY22. So if we were to go back to this now and, and make a list of priorities, um, we uh, it wouldn't have a, it wouldn't have a three hundred forty thousand dollar price tag associated with it, but it would still be something that eventually we have we have to pursue. So um, this is just again I provided this just in response to the committee's question. There are some items here that I, as you can see we have, we've not yet invested in. Um, in some of these, I think uh, as you know, obviously you know we we noted a, a, a difference in the scrubbing of the budget between June 1st and June 14th, 2021. So you can imagine that between June 29th, 2020 and June 24th, 2021, 
there are a number of priorities that we would likely think differently on um, if we were to make this list today. And so, um, you know, this is a great list in terms of um, something that we're able to um, keep track of at all times and understand sort of where the budget process is sort of a continuing narrative. Um, but this is just to give you a sense as to um, where we are it, looking back on the list that was generated in at, at the end of FY20. I hope it's helpful. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for the clarification. Member Vanderkloot. Yes, thank you. Uh, first, I, I did want to um, thank the team, uh, those who presented yesterday to the City Council. Um, thank you for representing us so well um, and uh, answering all the questions that were, were uh, brought to you last night. Um, I just want to go back to Suzanne. When you were talking about the camp, um, sort of reintroducing kids back to school and whatever, um, what are the numbers that you anticipate how many kids can you accommodate um you know I, I would i would hope that everybody who wants to go gets to go uh but i wanted to understand how you're facing that so that absolutely is our hope that's that's the whole purpose of the camp is for students and families that feel students would benefit from this experience so um once we send out the uh sign up forms, we'll have a better sense as to how to adjust staffing and what the groupings will look like. But I mean, we want to keep the specific groups um, to a manageable number, but then that would just mean bringing on some staff, some additional staff. So we'll just wait and see what the enrollment looks like. Okay, thank you. Thank you. If there's no further questions, we have one more item on our agenda, executive session. Mayor, if you, just, Mayor. If you could just take a vote to adopt the budget contingent upon the, school, the city council's appropriation and um, if the committee would be willing to offer a vote for endorsing the ESSER priorities, that um, would be appreciated as well. Okay. Is there a motion on the floor? I take a, I make a motion to adopt the budget proposal. Second. Second. Motion to adopt by Member McLaughlin, seconded by... Kretz and Van de Kloot. Um, <laughs> roll call, please. Um, can Number I just ask a question real quick? Oh, sorry. Does the motion include both the budget recommendation as outlined and the ESSER funds? Are we taking one vote on both? Member McLaughlin, is that your- I'm splitting it. Sorry, Chair. Okay. Oh, would you, oh, you would like to split it? Okay, so um, we will take the recommendation on the budget first as approved motioned by member McLaughlin, seconded by member Kretz. Roll call on the budget. Member Graham. Yes. Member Kretz. Yes. Member McLaughlin. Yes. Member Mastone. Yes. Member uh, Russo. Yes. Member Vandekloot. Yes. Mayor Longo-Kern. Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The budget is adopted. Um, is there a motion on the floor to approve the spending of the ESSER funds as recommended by the administration? By Member Kratz. Second. Motion to approve. By sec seconded by Member Vandekloot. Roll call, please. Member Graham. Yes. Member Kratz. Yes. <clears throat> Member McLaughlin. Yes. Member Mastone. Yes. Member Rousseau. Member Vandekloot. Yes. 
Mayor Longo Karn. Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The spending of the ESSER funds as rec recommended by the administration has been approved. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Mr. You. Thank you for all the hard work. Appreciate it. Um, we have last agenda item executive session of the Medford School Committee pursuant to General Laws 30A, Section 21. The Medford School Committee will convene an executive session to discuss strategy and preparation for pending litigation before Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination, MCAD, and United States District Court, as well as to conduct a collective bargaining strategy session on the basis that an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the litigating and bargaining positions of the Memphis School Committee. Motion to move to, oh, sorry, Mayor. Oh, no, that's okay. One second. The Memphis School Committee will not convene in public sessions subsequent to the executive session. Doctor, that was signed by Dr. Maurice Edward Vincent, Superintendent of School, and there's a motion to go into executive session by Member McLaughlin, seconded by Member Vandeklu. Roll call, please. Member, sorry, Member Graham. Yes. Member Kretz. Yes. Member McLaughlin, yes. Member Mastone. Yes. Member Rousseau. Yes. Member Vandeklu. Yes. Mayor Longo Kern. Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. We will go into executive session and not reconvene after. 